Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're in 1 John chapter 3, uh, perhaps... Uh, one of the most convicting passages in the Bible. We've said that this book is a matter of walking in light and then walking in love. And we're in a section now of Scripture where we've, we've seen our identity. You know, what is our identity? We are people that have been saved. That's the people to whom John is speaking, his little children. We are the sons of God. Uh, we are going to see the completion of our salvation when we meet Christ one day, but we live in this world right now. And in this world, we need to make choices. And the choices we need to make, the Bible says, are choices that are consistent with our identity because our identity is wrapped up in His. So, hey, as God's children, we don't sin. We do right. Now, does that mean that practically we're never going to sin? Of course not. No, but the, the principle is, hey, we're part of God's family. And when you do right, that's an indication that you're, you're, you're part of God's family. We don't act like what you were. Act like who you are in Christ. And now in verse number nine, I think this is, to me, John, this is the verse that just makes it all uh, come together. Uh, look at it, verse number nine. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. So are you born of God? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Have you, have you been born again? I think the answer in most cases, as you're listening, as you're watching, is yes. Okay, well, do you commit sin? <laughs> of course you do. So the verse is not saying that saved people never sin. It's a general statement to say, hey, um, we don't do that. Hey, we're children of God. We, we don't sin. That's not what we do. That's not our practice. Remember what I said a couple episodes ago? It's kind of like what I told my kids when they were growing up. Hey, we're skellies. No, we don't do that. We're not going to lie. We work hard. Does that mean that my kids always worked hard? Of course not. But as a statement of identity, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. This is not who we are. This is not what we do. That, that's a great thought, Pastor, our identity. I just love that thought. This gives us our gospel-centered identity. And this is important for all believers to emphasize this in their own life. This is, you know, this is what God has done in us. You know, all things, you know, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And this, this gospel-centered identity is a, a great passage of Scripture, a great thought, a great concept in the Scriptures to use, even with people who are in bondage to sin. You passed, you talked with many people over the course of your ministry who have been, in, the Christians who have been in bondage to sin. Why? Because they have not lived according to their gospel-centered identity. But one of the great things that helped them is say, you know, yes, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit can work in your life. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. You know, God will not try you above that you are able. And you, through the power of Christ, you know, when we are sanctified we go back to that concept. We are sanctified after we trust Christ, our Savior. There is this progressive sanctification whereby the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to help us be like the children of God, the sons of God. And that is what God is doing in our life. In this passage here, though, it's telling us this is our gospel-centered identity. We are righteous in Christ. Who we are, we are not sinners in the sight of God. We are His saints who are to live accordingly. So, 
Sometimes people explain First John chapter 3 and verse 9 from the standpoint of, well, there's the new man and then there's the old man. And when you're saved, you know, the new man doesn't sin, but the old man sins. And so you kind of have this white dog and this black dog and whichever dog you feed the most is the one that wins. And I think I know what people are trying to explain when they say that. Now, I've even used language like that uh, in, in, in my past. But I, 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 I think that's a little bit too much of a box. Because as believers, we're not schizophrenic. It's not like I've got this new man that never sins in my life and I've got this old man and, you know, I'm just kind of like these two people, this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that's really not what the Bible's teaching. What the Bible's teaching is, no, God loves me. He saved me. I'm not totally saved yet from the standpoint of full sanctification. And I've certainly not been glorified. So yes, there are going to be these lusts in the flesh and lusts of the eyes and the pride of life. John's already warned us about them. He's already warned us about them. So the, the Bible has already given concession to the fact that we are going to struggle with these things. But what the Bible is saying is you live like who you are. And I love how you kept on coming back to that word a moment ago, John, identity. It's remind yourself. Some people say it this way. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ and where your sufficiency is, because as you do, that's going to be the incentive and the motivation by which to live in victory over sin. In Jesus Christ is certainly that, Pastor. I love that you bring that out, that Christ is to be a preeminent, preeminent in our lives. He is the one. He became flesh for us that we, and he, be, he took on flesh, and he became sin for us that we might be reconciled to God, that we might have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ wants us to find our identity in who he is, and what he's done, what he is doing for us. And he wants us to live in the light of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And this, this is a, this portion of scripture, as you mentioned earlier, pastor is so convicting because it shows us who we are to be like, how we are to be living. And if we're not living like that, then we're falling short of what God wants us to be like. And it is a progressive sanctification. You're exactly right, Pastor. And God wants us to work out our own salvation through his power. You know, he's the one who's called us. He's the one who works through us. But we are to live as he would have us live. He cannot sin because he's born of God. Again, a statement of practical truth. Yeah, as children of God, now we, we can't sin. We're, we're, we're children of God. You know, it's not to saying that it's not saying that it's impossible for a believer to commit a sin because then you and I would not be saved. And first John chapter one would not be true. It negates the entire point, the practicality of the entire book. No, the point is, hey, we're saved. We can't be sinning. We're saved. We, we, we can't be living like the devil. We're, we're saved. And, and watch what it says in verse number 10. So in this this identity that we have in Christ, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. So how, how, how are the children of God manifest? By the way they live. How are the children of the devil manifest? By the way they live. The Bible says, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So there's, first of all, the, the, the statement's reiterated that the, the best indicator of your faith is your works, 
The best indicator of your heart is your action. So we, we, we see that reiteration. But then the Bible says, and let's hone in on one aspect of the demonstrable way that you live. And the one aspect that we're going to hone in on right now is your love for your brother. And this introduces this, the, the latter half of the chapter, and that is the, the real work that is indicative of our salvation is the way that we treat other people. You know, and Jesus, Jesus tells us in John 13, you know, love one another as I have loved you. You know, so often in life, people like to see life in just a bunch of grays. You know, there's really not right or wrong. It's just, and the world, of course, has this mentality. And that's why John calls them out in 1 John 3, verse 1, about the world is different than the children of God are. But people like to see things in, in gray areas. There's really nothing right or wrong. But John said, nothing can be further from the truth. There is black and there is white. There is the children of, there are the children of God who are the family of God. And this is how the family of God is to be because this is who they are. And there is the, there are the children of Satan and this is how they do live because this is who they are. And so this area of love is a great area we're going into. This really is to be a mark of a true Christian. Yeah. So, yeah, let's play a little game here for a second. So if I said, you know, what do dogs do? You would say, well, Dogs bark, you know, say, what, what, what do cats do? Well, cats meow. What, what, what do cows do? They moo. You know, there are certain characteristics, you know, dogs don't moo, you know, cats don't neigh, you know, every creature of God has certain innate characteristics. Okay. So here's the, here's the question. What do Christians do? Well, what is the in, in indicator that a person truly is a follower of Jesus. Now, we could say there are many indicators, and I think the Bible is is certainly indicating that, doing righteousness, and there's some general statements that have been made already in this chapter, but now we're gonna zone in on really what is the indicator? What is the indicator? And I would say this, what is the fruit of a person who has been saved? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it goes on to say joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But the point is love. Love is the indicator. Oh, a person came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? And Jesus said, well, you're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And... The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Now, why did Jesus quickly add number two? Because it's only in number two, that's loving the brother, that number one finds context. How do we love God? We love God by loving our brethren. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, Jesus said, ye have done it unto me. So loving the brother, loving our brother is an indicator of our salvation. And it's the one true mark. You know, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. So all of it is coming together, isn't it? It sure is, Pastor. And I love how the Bible is, is practical. You know, people can say, well, I love God. You know, I love God. But I, I can't see a person's heart. You know, how, how do I know if someone loves God? 
is by the way they love other people, which you already mentioned, Pastor. And people often like to appear spiritual and appear religious. The Pharisees are very much like that. And yet the Bible over and over again tells us practically how to see if someone truly loves God. I can say I love God all day long. But if I do not love my brother, I truly do not love God. Because if I love God, I'm going to love my brother. So Christianity is practical, and it shows us how we are to live as children of God. Romans 13 and verse 8, the Bible says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. I think about Galatians chapter 5. All the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay? James chapter 2. If ye fulfill the royal law, the number one law, if ye fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. So three separate times, two times Paul, uh, one time James, said the entirety of man's responsibility as it relates to God, the law can be encapsulated in loving others. Now, where's God in that mix? Well, we we are loving God by loving others. Loving others is the way that God has given us by which to love Him. And every parent gets this. Okay, every parent gets this. You know, the best thing that grown children can do for their parents is to get along with each other. The best thing you can do, your your mom and dad, if you're a child, a teenager listening to this podcast, the best thing you can do uh, for your mom or dad is for you to be good to, be selfless with, be loving of your brother and sister. you You are showing great love for your parents when you get along. You know, I think when I think what John writes here, my, my mind goes to what Jesus in Mark chapter two, is he says to the man that, that you know, he says to, to be healed and the Pharisees uh, wonder, well, you know, how, how, how can he heal this man? And Jesus tells the man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And Jesus healing the man was an indication that he could forgive his sins. Jesus could have simply said, you know, your sins are forgiven without healing the man. There would be no outward manifestation of that. So I can say that I love God, but if there's no outward manifestation of that, you really can question if I love God or not. So we said that the theme of our book was walk in light. We've talked a lot about that. Matter of fact, we'll come back to some of that doctrinal purity next chapter in chapter four. But honestly, the bulk of the book from right here to the end centers on love your brother, love your brother. We're going to, a few episodes from now, we're going to talk about if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Uh, For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God Love his brother also. So much more to come. Uh, No more time today, but appreciate you joining us. Looking forward to jumping into verse number 12 uh, tomorrow. The only Old Testament reference in the entire book of 1 John. Hope you'll stay with us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.